The information contained in this podcast is general in nature and is not to be taken as financial or personal advice. It does not consider your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider whether this information is suitable for you and your personal circumstances before acting on it. Hi, and welcome to The Home Run, your guide to buying your first home in Australia. On this show, I'll walk you through the home buying process from every angle. We cover the steps to take, the pitfalls to avoid, and the answers to all your questions you've been dying to ask. No matter what stage you're at, you'll learn everything you need to know about buying your first home. I'm your host, Michael Nasser, and I'm a mortgage broker at Lens Street, and I really love helping people buy their first home. Today, we're chatting with Julie Crockett. Julie is the Director of Australian Property Investment Solutions, API. Julie works with everyone, from people entering the property market for the first time to experienced investors. Her goal is to help them build wealth by making strategic and well-informed investment property purchases. Julie changed careers when she realized that her job as a teacher was leaving her with barely any super. Now, she's a passionate advocate for women in property ensuring everyone has the information they need to achieve their property goals. In this episode, Julie will explain what rent vesting is and what you need to know about it and how to manage your expectations for your best shot at success. She'll also share why it's never too late to believe in yourself and start building your portfolio. Let's jump in. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. To start off, can you tell me a little bit more about your role at API and what is API and a little bit more about yourself as well? API Solutions is Australian Property Investment Solutions and this is my company that I set up in 2010 to help investors to buy investment properties and to build their portfolios. And my background is that I come from I guess, humble beginnings. I was a teacher in another life and worked full-time as a teacher and received a superannuation statement in the mail quite a few years ago and I was quite devastated because I had less than $30,000 in super and I thought, wow, I'm going to be a very poor old lady. So rather than do that, I made a decision that I would straight away look at investing and what I could do to alleviate that whole pressure on the retirement phase that was sort of heading in my direction. And yeah, basically I was helping a lot of people to buy investments. I got really addicted to buying investment properties. Back in 2002 when I started, it wasn't tricky to get finance. Like it was really easy. And I just kept using equity out of my properties and basically built my own portfolio, helped others and then turned it into a business. And you seem to be probably one of the smarter ones because I think a lot of people did that and then 2009 rolled around and that sort of changed the uh, the course of maybe that easy finance or I guess it just sort of paints a picture of how it is today in terms of the complexities that it does involve in that regard. One thing that stood out to me is you mentioned retirement at that point. So you pretty early on had, had recognised property as a vehicle, I guess, then for wealth creation, I I imagine, and thinking about retirement, which was that purchase that you made, was that your first property purchase back then? Or was it a second property purchase? Or when you recognised that, how did that go where you got that super statement? And then had had you, did you already own property at that stage? Yeah, I had um, my own home. So I was divorced, you know, um, life rolls around, I had two kids. And I thought, I've got to really make sure that I'm covered here in terms of of the future. And I looked at a few different options. You know, I did look at shares and I didn't really understand them. I did understand property. And at the time I had my own home and I still had a mortgage on it. 
And people were saying to me, oh, you're a single woman and you've got two kids and you've already got a mortgage and what, you're going to get another mortgage? Crazy. And I went, well, I've got to do something. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person that, you know, I can listen to all of the whatevers, but I make up my own mind what's going to work best for me and that's what I did and I'm glad I did. Well, and in 2002, I, I, there's no, I mean, there's no iPhones, that's for sure. Mobile phones obviously probably existed. But in terms of the amount of re- information that was available at your disposal at that point, definitely a brave decision with your life circumstances at that moment in time, even braver a decision. So, and obviously time will tell that it's probably the right one. But I guess bringing it to make something relevant for our listeners, obviously thinking about that first home purchase with the foresight perhaps of what you can bring to today's episode, it'll be like, this is not just a home purchase, this is potentially a wealth generation project that you need to consider. And we'll talk today about rent investing in particular. And for that individual that's looking at buying the first home to be an investment property or even a second home as an investment, this is obviously going to be an episode that you're going to want to listen to and break down some concepts. Rent vesting. So let's talk about rent vesting. So can you break it down? What are the bare essentials and what is it? How does it work and how do you understand it? I think it's a it's a really cool vehicle to get into property. So rent vesting is renting where you need to live and then buying a conservatively priced investment property that is going to get you into the market. Now, people who live on the east coast of Australia, they're very well understanding that property prices are just huge and to be able to afford to buy an investment property in Inner city Brisbane these days, very costly. Sydney, huge money. Melbourne, likewise. And so what we're seeing is, you know, a lot of those conservatively priced properties are in other states. And people get a bit scared at that point. They go, oh, if I'm going to rent this, then realistically, if I can borrow, you know, five or 600,000, then what will I do? And at that point, they get stuck and they go, oh, Maybe I just keep trying to save and I'll hopefully in the future get something better in somewhere that I I know. But really this is an education piece. You know, this is about how to actually get into the market at a really affordable price point with good cash flow that is going to then set you up for what you want to do in the future. At the moment, trying to save your way to that is just use the word impossible and I don't regularly use that word but it's impossible to keep pace with the rate of the property market increasing as well as you trying to save. So the other options are to yeah rent where you want to live or where you need to live but look at what other options are available to you in terms of those affordable price point properties. A lot of people who work with me that's how they get started in the property market. They build up two, three several investment properties at a lower priced, lower value price point and then they move into um, using equity from their properties. Well, they've got options then. They can use equity from their properties and then get into their own home if that's what they want to do or they can just keep taking advantage of all the tax benefits of being a property investor and just keep investing. So at least when you make the start, you've got the options. Yeah, and I guess getting a picture now as to how it works what would you say are the main benefits? And you probably touched on a few there, but I guess if we were to draw them out and highlight them, what would you say are the main benefits of doing this or going down this particular path? Number one, it gets you in the market. And I think that's the most important number one factor because 
as we just said, trying to save your way to get some, into some kind of property on the East Coast is going to be a long, long, drawn-out process. In fact, the clients that have done this, that have rent-vested, takes about the same amount of time to build up a property portfolio that's big enough to then be able to use the equity to buy your own home as if it would to just save for the nine years or so that you're going to have to get that big deposit for your own home. End result is you've got a property portfolio and you may well, if you've got a good accountant, you've got some good advice around this, you may well be able to get your own home as well as keep one or two of those properties. So the benefits are fantastic in my opinion because I'm I'm a property addict (laughs) Mm. and things don't fear me because I've gone and done them and I think that's the other thing. If you've never done it and you've got it all rolling around in your head, and you don't understand how it works, then, yep, listen to podcasts, get information, get education and understand how it could work for you because everybody's different. And the cons would be, you know, you've got to keep renting somewhere. And most people now are really fed up and I really don't blame you um, with the rising cost of rent because, in fact, I've just had one one person that I've been, she bought her own apartment, her first home in Brisbane And she's got a corporate job she's been saving for a long time. She's managed to do that rather than rent vest. She said, you know what, Julie, I'm just over getting the next notice that says your rent's increased by X amount of dollars and, you know, I can't paint my wall and I can't hang my pictures and I can't do my own thing because it's not my place. And I get that too. So that's sort of the downside of of renting. But Everything has a cost, Michael. Yeah, there's a benefit. There is also then a drawback potentially too. And I guess, you know, something you've mentioned there is doing it, partnering perhaps with someone that knows what they're doing, whether it's listening through podcasts and learning that way or or engaging in services that are currently in the market that allow you to get into this or to allow you to do this, at least having that conversation, reviewing what's important to you, obviously, what are the benefits, what are the cons, and then making that decision in a fashion that's going to enable you to make the right decision for you. And then if that is to do it, the path has been walking before. It's, it's, it's been taken before. It's then about finding somebody that can guide you along that path. Exactly. So definitely one of the drawbacks that you mentioned there is continuing to pay rent. And I would imagine then another drawback is not getting into the market because that's obviously the flip side of the benefit that you'd mentioned. Are there any other drawbacks that you would see in this instance? Well, (laughs) the big one, the big elephant in the room is that, you know, if you were deciding that you would rather just stay put and save and keep renting, and that's fine, but over the last two and a half years, you probably have missed out on, I mean, I'm just going by what my clients have made in property in the last couple of years, $200,000, $300,000. So I see that as a, you know, something that you need to factor in into your decision making. I guess a con too with rent vesting is it's, a, it's probably a little bit out of other people or some people's comfort zones. So it really does mean that we're looking to look at other states to buy property. So at the moment, Adelaide and Perth are probably really good markets. Adelaide's had a very hot run. Perth is having a very hot run right now. And it's not about, I must say right here, that it's not about any old property because any old property is not necessarily one that you need to be investing in. You've got to be really strategic about what you're doing. It's like jumping in your car 
and thinking that you'll go to this wonderful place and it's sort of, you know, way out the back of Queensland somewhere and you've heard about it and it's great, but you don't have a roadmap. You don't have a plan to get there. You're just going to jump in your car and head in what you think is the right direction. That's what a lot of people do with property investing and it just does my head in. And then five, six years down the track, they go, oh, I shouldn't have bought that. It wasn't a good decision. And then they're stuck. So, yeah, that's the drawback that I probably would think of too is that you buy the wrong property or you, you've decided that you want to do it and then you've perhaps gone the wrong way and then you don't find out the following year or the year after. It might not be until a couple of years down the track, in which case you've, you know, there's an opportunity cost, you're not in the right place and obviously that's where the experience and expertise and seeking that is vitally important. And you mentioned people can sometimes be scared about getting down this path because it's probably not the most common path. We we grow up and we always think we're going to buy our house and, you know, get married and all that sort of stuff. And perhaps rent investing was not something we considered initially. But that element of being scared and not knowing then may lead to something that you've referred to in the past, which I've heard, which is procrastination and analysis paralysis. (laughs) Oh, yes. And that leads into everything that we've kind of just been mentioning now about the knowledge and how to do it and being afraid. I'm assuming that's a common hurdle that you have with your clients. And how do you challenge that? And how do you get over that? With clients, I just say to them, it's all about making a decision. And not making a decision is a decision. And so therefore, If you are going to get stuck in the process, that may well cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. In fact, it has. I know for a fact it has for a number of people. Don't dwell on that. Make the decision to keep moving forward. And if you get stuck, get more education. Get Come to a buyer's agent who is able to, you know, we're in that market all day, every day. We see what's happening. We understand the market. We negotiate the skill set to be able to get exactly what is required is very high. So in most cases, I think it's about, yes, making the decision. If you can't make the decision, then pay someone to make the decision for you with you in that communication loop. Learn from these experienced professionals, how they do it, what they do, I involve my client every step of the way when I'm working with them because to me it's about empowering them so that they can go on and do more for themselves too. I'm not about withholding information. In fact, if anything, I probably give them way too much. But to me it's about you know making sure that people don't get stuck in that process and that they can move forward And then if they want to keep building a portfolio, that's another skill set on top. It's not about just buying another property. It's about being strategic with what you've already got and how you're going to build on that to keep building. And you as a mortgage broker, Michael, you hold the keys to being able to make sure that the finance is right for people to continue to keep borrowing. And I look at the cash flow. I look at, okay, we've got to get the cash flow right to be able to make sure that this person can keep borrowing money because they want to buy another property in the next year or so. How are we going to do that? So it's every piece of the property puzzle needs a strategy around it to end up with a great outcome for every individual. So if people think they can do that and they don't have the skills, I think they might be able to sort of somehow magically find 
the unicorn way, but I haven't found many people who can do it. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think that they exist. I mean, I think unicorns we can categorically say don't exist. So in that case, unicorn properties probably don't exist as well, I'd say. <laughs> One thing I'd written down, I take notes, obviously, as, as you were saying that, I, I wrote the word strategy and, and that's what it speaks. I mean, in that case, you you obviously have been able to identify with your clients a bit of a strategy long-term. It's not just this property. What's your long-term plan? What's your goal? In your instance, obviously, it was the retirement element that got you going. And I guess our, our listeners would need to find, well, what is it that I'm seeking here to do? Am I looking to build a portfolio? And if it's if that's the case what's my end goal I think if you start with the end in mind then you can reverse engineer it and then figure out what needs to be done and it might show you the next steps a little bit easier and the way I see procrastination and analysis paralysis I guess is you know that this is an important decision and that's why you're not taking it lightly however you probably don't have the confidence to take that first step and I would imagine with your clients you probably once they've got one or two then there's going to be less procrastination and analysis paralysis because They've been down there. They, they know it's just that really that first one, perhaps. So there's a little bit of confidence there. So yeah, partnering with a professional in that regard, obviously, is going to enable you, but people to go beyond that. Over the time frame that you're working with a client, it can be years and years building up portfolios. And I had one come back to me yesterday, lovely lady. They're about to buy number six, but we set up number five property with a subdividable block. So her mind's already thinking because I've actually educated her on what the possibilities are. And she called me up. She said, okay, now when you're ready to do the next step, do we subdivide the block of land and sell it off? Do we subdivide and build on it? Maybe what we do is put a transportable granny flat at the back and get a second income on it. Because I said to her, look, at the moment, building is tricky, really hard, and it's going to take a long time. If you want something that's instant, maybe consider, yeah, like a transportable granny, provided council will allow, of course. But that's my point is that they get from procrastination to, oh, they're really involved in the process and they're already thinking about what their next steps could be. They run it past me and then if I can add more value to that, I don't charge for that. Like they're my clients. I know they're going to come back. Yeah, value-added part of the service. And another word that I'm drawn to, which you said earlier, was empower. It sounds like this particular individual, you've you've empowered them to be able to think outside the box that they probably originally thought in and now they're thinking of different ways and they're so invested because it has such a direct correlation to their financial wellness and well-being and their prosperity of them and their family and the financial health of, of all that. So it's only natural that they're going to be so invested more than probably most other things that they're doing. And I love hearing those type of stories too because, you know, I mean, for me, life's about opportunity ultimately. And what you want to try and do is maximise the opportunities that are at your disposal at any given time. And it sounds like in their case, they've got some opportunities and they've got some options. That's a really powerful place to be in for them. So that's that's awesome. Something that I get hit with a lot when I speak to my clients is the concept of uncertainty. And uncertainty exists obviously in all forms of life, but in particular with property, there isn't so much uncertainty. There are so many dynamic factors at play, whether it's, you know, the RBA cash rate, whether it's the property market in general, or whether it's inflation or other factors. How do you handle that? And what do you say to your clients when they, you know, they approach you and say, well, what do we do with the uncertainty of the property market? I don't want to do anything or whatever that may be. Great question because life is uncertain. No matter what we do in life, there are going to be things that will be thrown at us that are completely out of the blue. And my thought on that and coming from a like a single mother sort of perspective is and one income is cash is everything. So if you're going to weather those horrible storms when they come, 
you're best to be in a better position cash flow wise than not is one of the things that I think about. But also it's the strategy piece that we've put in place in the first instance. And then it's I go out of my way to tap into other professionals who could help them. So there are things called tax variations, you know, where if people are really heavily negatively geared, they can go to their accountant and ask about, is a tax variation something that I can put in place where instead of getting my tax refund at the end of the financial year, can I have it back into each pay period? so that I can cash flow my portfolio. Now, when I started investing in 2002, every savvy investor that I knew, I didn't know a lot of them, but everyone I talked to was saying, oh, we just build our entire portfolios on tax variations. And I went, how cool is that? So if you're stuck and you're really suffering at the moment, as I know a lot of people are with their investment properties, don't make selling your property your first option. Please, please ask questions, link with people who can help you to potentially find your way through. If there's no other way, if you've exhausted all avenues and then you think, okay, I need to sell, then sell. But this is, I run my property portfolio as a business. When I speak to my clients and they've got property portfolios, I tell them this is a business. And if you're in business and your business is going downhill with cash flow, you go to your account and you find out from whoever you can, what can I do about this? What's going to help me here? And then you're asking the right questions. Instead of panic, I don't want you to panic. I want, yeah, people just reaching out to professionals who can help them. Yeah, I don't think any good decisions are made in a state of panic. And partnering then, obviously, we've mentioned buyers agents and how they can assist to some extent or to, to a lot of the extent. Then, yeah, you've got to look at your other professionals too that are very much part of that discussion when it comes to setting up these types of portfolios, accountants being one, tax advisors and, and the like. So, um, yeah, that makes total sense. Something else I, I see or I experience to some extent is the concept of unrealistic expectations, especially when it comes to investment property outcomes. We mentioned unicorn properties, I guess, to some extent earlier on. How do you deal with clients who have unrealistic expectations or demands for the investment property outcomes that they're wanting to see or hoping to see? I'm blessed to have 21 years of property investing under my belt and I've seen several cycles and this is a really unusual one we're in at the moment, property cycle, but it's about providing clarity around what happens when you have an investment property. And I agree, Michael, that a lot of people have unrealistic expectations. I'm going to buy this property. It's going to be great. I'm going to make a lot of money out of it. And then people sell it. Like, anyway, that's a whole other story, which I, <laughs> I'm a fine hold girl. I <laughs> like to buy my property and hold on to it. And, you know, that's where you see long-term wealth. And if you want to see generational wealth in your family, you hold on to your properties. You buy well in the first instance and you hold on to them. And I think that whole conversation around nothing stays the same. So if we set this up and if we have a strong strategy and I run through a strategy with all of my clients before I take them on board as clients, and the strategy is quite in-depth, it's all online, but it's quite an in-depth thinking strategy what happens if what will you do when like there's lots of questions like that just provoke thought around ah well maybe that could happen and then what would I do and so that then helps to understand what can happen in property cycles and 
how you would then manage that yourself. Comes back to knowledge, I guess, and and again, equipping yourself with that information or that knowledge so you know how to handle it to the best. And again, that's where partnering with people that know what they're doing will definitely assist as well. Before we dive into our final questions, I wanted to ask you one thing. Recently, I've heard of statistics about women retiring into poverty. You changed careers because you didn't think you had enough super to retire on and you've written about women retiring into poverty. How do you think this can be avoided? As a society, we've made this big shift and I can see it happening right now where we've had women who perhaps even, you know, my mother's age, women in their late, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, who've been married all their lives, who were maybe sometimes had a part-time job, but they were the home bodies and they did a great job and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. However, if divorce or even the death of a spouse happens later in life and there's not much in terms of superannuation or funds, we can then see women start to fall into that poverty cycle. But even now I see the second wave happening, which is women who are becoming much more savvy with money and they're understanding a lot better how to invest it and what to do with it to grow their own wealth, which is great. Then they partner up, have a couple of kids, and then sometimes 50% end in divorce. And then that second wave of, oh, no, what do I do now? I'm now single. I now have kids. I now have to work. I have to, like, do all the things. What do I do now? And they're the next wave of people that I see coming through that have halved their net worth overnight, divorce halves it, bang, sometimes worse than half, but let's say it's half, and then they find themselves not being able to afford to buy in Sydney. So a lot of those women are also moving into that rent-festing model or it's something to consider if if that's your story to have a look at still retaining a property, being in the property market to save yourself from a retirement in poverty. So it's like options, options, options. What can I do now? Okay, it's not my preferred option. My preferred option would be I want to live in the Hills District with my kids where they go to school and but I can't afford that. I just can't afford to buy there. So that message is um, as much for first-time home buyers as it is for women to be in the market so that even if you've got, you know, one or two properties in different states, when you hit 65, 70 or whenever you can't work anymore, you've got assets, you've got something that you can draw upon that is going to keep you going in retirement. So to do nothing, to me, it's not an option. Or if you take that option, you may not find that it's going to lead you down a you know a path that you, is going to be satisfactory. So at least be open to having those conversations with people and understanding what those options could be for you. Yeah. Something to be mindful of, I guess, going into something like this, if this is the path that you're going to go down in terms of, you know, building up a property portfolio, starting by rent investing, is seeking legal advice about these circumstances and these situations and having, I guess, agreements put in place. Although it may not be something that we like to talk about, it's almost like insurance. Like, you know, when you take on a mortgage and you're purchasing a new property, you obviously need to, and you should review your insurance, you know, your insurance is to make sure you're adequately covered in the event of something negative happening in life, whether it's a disability perhaps or at worst case death and and what happens there. But at the same time, 
something that statistically happens more than, than others is, is separation. And so what's happening to the portfolio in that instance and being smart about that when you start, I would imagine, would also help. At least the situation after the event, when it occurs, it's already been to some extent planned or organised or we know what's going to happen. And I think from what I'm hearing from your end, it's as much as possible retain the asset because that's the golden ticket in retirement. Yeah, and if you can't, then start to build your own. And if you can't build your own, get education around it and get help around it because your future is way more important. I feel a bit sad in a way to be talking about it, but again, it's reality. You know, it's it's there are great times in life and there are times where you'd rather not <laughs> go there and being prepared for all of it. And property is the thing, property is the thing, that will provide you with those options, whether life is great and you stay married to that person forever, fantastic, or if anything else in between happens, you're covered because property, you've got that asset there that's going to help big time. What's the first step for women who haven't previously had the opportunity to get onto the property ladder? How would they start? I think there's a lot of groups out there that really help women in the finance space. And I think understanding how you deal with money, first and foremost, is really important. If you've got a really good handle on money and you're really good at being able to budget, save, achieve your your financial goals, then maybe not so important. But, you know, there are also property investment courses. I run one for first-time property investors and that is designed so that people can get the confidence to actually go out and buy their own property. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was, my next question was, uh, what other supports are there that women can turn to, um, you know, in this instance? And obviously you've mentioned your service and we'll have details of that in our show notes too for any listener that wants to find out about that. But are there any other types of support that women can turn to here in, in this instance to better educate themselves? Anything you can do like uh, books, podcasts, you know, making sure that you're tapping into a constant source of information and current information, people that you can trust. That's a hard part, Michael, in this in this space because there's a lot of people, as we know, that are into project marketing and, you know, they want to sell you something. I think avoid those people because often they can sell you something that may or may not work for you. Their focus is the sale. When people work with a, a buyer's agent and you pay a buyer's agent fee, your buyer's agent works for you and they have your best interests at heart. They want you to do well and to come back and they want to help you build the portfolio. So they're vested in you. I think just tapping into as much knowledge as you possibly can and then making the decision to move forward is the most powerful thing you can do. And I think in comparison to 2002 when when you started, I think there's a lot more support structures and and networks and groups that that can assist as well. So that's great. We always wrap up by asking two questions to our guests. The first one is, what's your number one tip for a first home buyer trying to get into the market today? I'd say take full advantage of your situation. So if you've moved back home with your parents or if you're house sharing or you're doing some other creative thing to save money, then take full advantage of it. Obviously, knuckle down, save as much as you put, like throw everything at it to get that deposit together in as fast a a time as possible. That would be my number one tip. If you can get a side job, do that too. Like you've got time and people convince themselves they don't, you actually do. Just get on and look for something that you'd like to do that's going to earn you an extra income. I've got clients who, I still can't believe, the beautiful people. The lady was a 
a single lady when I met her. She did my course. She used my service and bought her first investment property in Adelaide about two and a half years ago. She's made a couple hundred thousand dollars on that property. She's now met the love of her life. They have got married. They're living with her parents while they're saving money. I called them the other day about their they're wanting to do a, a next purchase because they can't afford to buy their own home in Sydney, so they're going to use that rent vesting model. Uh, and what they were doing on a Saturday morning was cleaning houses. So their side job is they work full time, both of them through the week, and on weekends they clean houses. Yes, dedication. And I just, yeah, and I went, you know what? Good on them. They are going to go a long way because they've got the focus, they've got the strategy in mind, and they're putting dollars behind it to make it happen. And they've already made the decision that, yes, they're up for number two property. So I kind of go, all the boxes are ticked. Yeah, and you can see it. Absolutely. They will do very well in life. They've got it together. Always do your numbers and make sure that when you go to buy that property, I've got a cash flow calculator on my on my website that people can go to, um, juliecrockett.com.au. Just access that, um, run your numbers through, make sure that the property that you're looking to purchase is not too negatively geared if you're going to go it on your own and always have an emergency fund. Always have that backup fund so that if things happen, you've got some cash there in an account that you can draw upon for emergencies only. Just out of interest, what would you put that emergency fund at? Do you have a a value or a percentage as to how it should be worked out or is it just anything that you can save, just put in there? I would say set your own goal. If you've already got a property and you, I always say to my investors, six months worth of mortgage repayments. The hot water service blows up or the toilet breaks or something else happens, you know, you've got plenty of funds there to cover it. It just makes sense if people can do that. And the final question is, what do you wish you knew before you bought your first home, knowing what you know now? Back in 2002, I teamed up with um, a friend of mine who was another school teacher and we used to do our research together. We'd, in term time, we'd sort of have coffee and chat and look at where it was good to to buy and then um, in school holiday time we would jump on planes and we would go and look at these places and then got quite competitive at one point she would say well I like the look of this one do you like it and I'd found it and I'd say yeah and she'd say well if you don't want it I'll buy it and I go no 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 I'm buying it I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we used to have a lot of fun and we we jumped on planes we went to places like Karatha um, I don't put my clients in places like Karatha, but I bought there. I made a lot of money there back in 2005. Wouldn't go there now. So I guess the thing I would thing I would say is you can't do enough research because that's going to get you further faster. I wouldn't have years in between buying properties. That would be my tip. I took three years to from my first property to my second property, and looking back, I thought oh, you know, I've done it now, I've got my property. And then after I bought the second one and I made a lot of money on that second one, I then year on year I just kept buying a property a year. And in the middle of the GFC I actually bought two properties because people were dumping really good properties back onto the market, fearful, panic, didn't understand the market, and all the savvy investors were snapping them up going, ah, this is fantastic. (laughs) So um, don't leave too much time between... Purchasing, if you want to build a portfolio, 
get the strategy right, get the finance right, make sure that everything's working in your favour so that you can keep purchasing properties and then, yeah, just do it. I like it. That's a good way to end it. Just do it. (laughs) That's right. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Um, Julie. If uh, listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to find you? Yeah, certainly um, website juliecrockett2ts.com.au and as I said before, there's a cash flow calculator on there. There's information about my courses and, yeah, basically just love for people to be educated in the space. If they're not ready yet to buy, then let's get the education piece started. Thank you so much, Julie. It was great. A lot of insights today. A little bit different. I like that we were focusing more on the big picture stuff here. So it was looking, you know, taking it a step back and not the intricacies of what the purchase needs to look like, but more of that big picture, like goal and objectives. And I love talking about that. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me on as your guest. You've been listening to The Home Run, your guide for buying your first home in Australia. This podcast was produced by Lens Street. Lendstreet is a mortgage broker and home loan specialist that helps first home buyers find the right loan to meet their needs. We know applying for a loan can be overwhelming and complex, so we help guide and support first home buyers through the process from start to finish. To find out more, head to our website, lendstreet.com.au. We've also put a link in the show notes. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Home Run, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review It really helps others find the show. I'm Michael Nasser, and we'll be back next episode covering another step on the journey to owning your first home.